and welcome to another Meta Media production of JW on Purpose with your host, JW Nigerian, as he interviews and discusses business, finance, self development, and lifestyle. Hello, everybody, this is JW Nigerian, and today we have uh, Mr. Simon Mainwaring. How are you doing, Simon? I am very well, thank you, Jim. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, and after everybody hears your resume, you don't know why I'm excited. <laughs> uh, for everybody who doesn't know Simon, Simon Mainwaring is uh, an award-winning branding consultant, best-selling author, influential blog- blogger, and international speaker. He's the founder of We First, a social branding firm committed to helping brands build communities, profit, and positive impact. He is a member of the Sustainable Brands Advisory Board, the Advisory Board of the Center for Public Diplomacy at the USC Annenberg School, and Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts in London. He contributes to, uh, contributes to Fast Company, Forbes, Huffington Post, Mashable, Good Magazine, on uh, branding and social technology. And I usually don't read uh, longer bios, uh, but I really, really want to uh, get into Simon here because he is... I really want you to understand why we're talking to him about branding today. This is uh, Simon is a, a, a an exceptional ex- expert in the field. Uh, you're an author, Simon. First book, uh, We First: How Brands and Consumers Use Social Media to Build a Better World. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller, Wall Street Journal, and Amazon bestseller. It was uh, named an Amazon Top Ten Business Book for 2011, um, and the 800 CEO read. Uh, named it a top five marketing book for 2011, and uh, Strategy Plus Business named it the best business marketing book of 2011. Uh, he's also included in the Trust Across America's Top 100 Thought Leaders in Trustworthy, trustworthy Business Behavior for 2012. Um, you've been featured everywhere, uh, Good Magazine, uh, Inc., Fast Company, uh, CBS, Harbo Radio. You're a sought-after international speaker with engagements including the Cannes International Advertising Festival, Royal Society of Arts, uh, South by Southwest, South by Southwest uh, TED San Francisco, um, National Speakers Association, this, this, easy for me to say, National Speakers Association brands such as Google, Coca-Cola, General Motors, Gucci, Patagonia, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, and was voted top five marketing speaker for 2012 by speaking.com. Let me ask you a first question, Simon. Uh, you studied law and fine arts at the Sydney University. Um, how the heck did you get into branding and social uh, technology from there? Thanks, Jay, and, and thanks to everyone for bearing through that bio. <laughs> Only my mum and I are interested in that. But, um, uh, you know, I started off like a lot of young men. I didn't know what to do with my career, and uh, my father was a lawyer and a judge, and so I was a creative type with long hair and dreams of living in Paris and whatever else, and uh, I found myself going through law school because I didn't know anything better. But I did do a, um, you know, honest degree in fine arts, and uh, then I, you know, pursued art for some time. But it was this interesting collision between creativity and the sort of more logical side of the brain in the law, and actually found that suited very well for advertising ultimately. Because you know, one day someone came along and they said, "Hey, you know, you should consider copywriting." And having studied law, having studied law, I said, "Well." 
what do you mean, trademarks or patents or intellectual property? And they said, no, 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 writing, you know, for ads. And, and I said, why on earth would I do that? And they said, because you've just got a really messed up sense of humor. And, um, and so I went and checked it out and started working in Australia and worked at DDB and Saatchi and Saatchi. And then I went to um, London at Liga Delaney and Saatchi and Saatchi there and then to Wyden and Kennedy on Nike for four years in Portland and then was worldwide creative director for Motorola at Ogilvy. So, you know, there was no planning, no foresight, no intelligence in all of this, just happenstance and a chronic lack of direction. <laughs> That's the best way many times. So um, now that we've established who you are and why you should be the guy talking about branding, um, tell me, you know, um, you have the company We First. Uh, what 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 is we first? What does that mean? Well, I'll explain it in two ways. Firstly, my company, like a lot of your listeners, I'm a small company. I'm an entrepreneur, and it was a really interesting wake up call for me to move out of the corporate world. I left full time, you know, staff work as worldwide creative director at Ogilvy on Motorola in 2001, and I've spent the last 10, 11 years as a hired gun going into top ad agencies or digital shops or direct large brand, Fortune 100 brands, and helping them with their messaging. And I noticed a big shift in the marketplace underway. It was around 2007, 2008, and I saw the rise of social media. And for someone who realized that advertising has always fabricated this relationship between brands and their customers, you know, making this emotional connection between, for example, Nike and a pair of running shoes, I saw this social technology and thought that was going to change everything because you could connect for free, effectively in real time with the people you care about and that's very powerful for word of mouth advertising so you know my my reaction to that was firstly to change my own company as an entrepreneur from mannering creative which was built around me to thinking that we need to be community focused and that eventually led to we first so that's where it came from but what it means is you know, at the end of 2007, we were all very mindful of how connected we were. What happened on Wall Street affected Main Street. It affected our health care, our jobs, our hopes. It affected, you know, Iceland, Greece, the EU, the stock market in the Middle East. So we suddenly became very aware of our interdependence and sort of connectedness. And so... I felt that in the face of all these social challenges that we're facing, there must be a solution in this connectedness. And it was at that time that I read the speech that Bill Gates gave at the World Economic Forum, his, in 2008, his Creative Capitalism speech, and I thought, I'm going to try and answer that because, you know, Bill Gates said, listen, we need the private sector to help government and philanthropy, you know, um, address social issues. And I just thought, look, listen, maybe having worked on the Olympics and World Cup and run global accounts, maybe this new connectedness could play a role. So I wrote this book, We First, and then launched the company as We First. So it's a vision for a repurposed private sector. But more than anything, as an entrepreneur, it's a response to the realities of the marketplace that we actually live in. So I wasn't actually doing business as if it was still the 1990s. So the book, if the book is We First, and you name the company after the, after the book, um, and you're branding that. Um, and you kind of segue in, segued into my next question, which is um, how, uh, so, how does social media affect the way brands and entrepreneurs and nonprofits market? It is a fundamental shift, which is very, very, very dangerous to businesses if they don't move with the marketplace. And there's several reasons for this. One is that for a long time, 
marketing or advertising was monologue or broadcast in nature. We just told customers about ourselves and hopefully the product or service was interesting enough and they would come and buy our stuff. But now there's a dialogue, as we all see, where we can all talk on Facebook and Twitter and check in on Foursquare and have a dialogue with brands. So that shifts the power between brands and consumers. Secondly, our economy is in trouble and has been for a long time. And consumers, customers out there, want something different to what they wanted in 2007. They don't just want more stuff. They want companies to play a more socially responsible role. So not only is there sort of a partnership, a dialogue between brands and consumers, consumers want something different. And then thirdly, consumers are now very emboldened by everything they've seen in the Arab Spring revolutions, what they've seen in Occupy Wall Street, what they've seen you know, um, in pushback with Netflix and Verizon and Bank of America and Bank Transfer Day. And there's the rise of citizen activism where customers are saying, this is not okay. We're not going to support you with our dollars if you don't if you do something meaningful to our lives and be more socially responsible. And so if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a startup, if you're a non-profit, if you're a mid-sized brand, if you want to grow and you want social media to work for you, you need to change your communication dynamics, you need to become more purposeful, and you need to co-create your success with your customers. Right. And, and how does that work? I mean, because you talk about... Uh, I read a, a bunch of your uh, a bunch of your blog, which is a really great blog, by the way. And if you want to learn about branding and what's going on, uh, you need to check out Simon's blog. Um, but you talk a lot about community, it, um, is, and we hear a lot about community. Is this? It's, it can't be new to marketing. Well, community isn't new to marketing. But truth be told. Most companies, most brands, would their first responsibility would be to discharge their responsibility to their shareholders. It was all about profit for profit's sake, and that was largely driven by the fact that executive compensation is based on, well, do you hit the analyst projections for the next quarter? Because that's the, on the basis of which your share, you know, your stock holdings will be vested towards you. So, you know, the incentive in terms of compensation, the incentive in terms of um, you know, the marketplace was just profit for profit's sake. But now that we realize we're so connected, now that we realize that the economy is in so much trouble, now that we realize our customers have a voice and can push back against our behavior, we need to genuinely serve the interests of the community. And that, that isn't just the interests of the company or its CEO or its high-paid executives. You actually can't get away with damaging the environment selling bad products, ignoring your customers, providing poor customer service. You can't get away with that on its own and hope to survive in this marketplace. So community has always been around, but now it's a much more meaningful expectation from customers. Right, and, and social media kind of uh, really brings it to the forefront a lot more since there is that interaction, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just look at some of the recent examples. Netflix had to cancel, cancel Quickster because their stock price dropped 37% when 700,000 customers left them to object to their decision. Then we had Bank of America had to cancel its $5 debit card fee when it got consumer pushback. One lady organized 300,000 people, an anonymous lady, you know, no one had heard of her before, on Facebook to petition against Bank of America. We saw Bank Transfer Day where people were so 
fed up with bank fees that over 750,000 people transferred their money to credit unions to the tune of $4.5 billion. And it just continues. If we look at Verizon, they tried to charge $2 to pay your bills online a few weeks ago. If you look at the online pushback against SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act, and how Congress has backed down. We have a very engaged and active customer base out there, and that wasn't possible before social media. Yeah, SOPA was big. I mean, uh, big sites shut down. Google blackened, blackened themselves out. It was, uh, it was, it was huge. Absolutely. Okay, so social branding. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, why is it important? Well, social branding is, you know, one way to express what I believe is the solution that companies, entrepreneurs, nonprofits need to embrace, and it's simple. There is the traditional brand storytelling where any brand will tell you what it stands for, what its values are, what its story is. And on the other side, you've got social technology, which is Facebook and Twitter and Foursquare and all these mobile apps and you know thousands of choices now. And when you put the two together, you have social branding. And it's a marriage of brand storytelling and social technology so that a brand defines what it stands for in a way that's meaningful to their customers so that those customers will be motivated to share the products and services of that company with others using their own social media channels. So if you think about it this way, it used to be that marketing was one to many. We would put an ad on TV and there'd be hundreds of thousands of people watching. Now it's one to one to many in that each brand must relate to that one person on a social media network and that person can then broadcast about the brand to lots of people. But it's that one-on-one -on -one relationship that's so important. So I help big brands and entrepreneurs and nonprofits get this marriage of storytelling and social technology right so that social media not only works for you, it doesn't work against you when you do the wrong thing and get a lot of customer pushback. Right. Have you found that this is a, a large challenge for many uh, larger corporations? It is a challenge for two reasons. One is that their mindset, their business models, and their profit centers are based around marketing of the past. And if you've got a 1,000 up to like 700,000 employees in some cases, it's very hard. There's a lot of inertia there to change. You know, it's like you know, turning a battleship. And also, it's hard to then embrace a culture, a real-time culture. How does a company of 13,000 people respond in real-time across all divisions using multiple social channels? But that's the reality of the business place out there, and whether it's SAP in the B2B marketplace or Dell in the B2C marketplace, the smartest companies are doing it very effectively, and that's what's driving their success. Okay. So how does that translate to small and medium-sized businesses? Well, actually, it's good news for small and medium-sized businesses for quite rightly for a long time. They haven't had the luxury of the deep pockets and advertising spend that you know bigger brands have had with all the research and data and tracking, and so they had to use their dollars very, very carefully. But now these social channels make it possible for them to reach far more people and to amplify their message far more effectively at a relatively low cost if they know what they're doing. And the big challenge is many brands 
make the mistake now. And three years ago, we were all talking about is social media a fad. Now it's everywhere, and no one's been talks like that. But still, a lot of brands in their hurry to catch up, small brands are running to social technology like Facebook and Twitter and using various tactics and strategies and wondering why they always seem to don't get their, they don't seem to get very far because they never ladder up to a larger brand a larger brand awareness and that's because they rush past the importance of brand storytelling which makes well, which creates the emotional connection that makes people want to share the product and service and then they just use these tactics and strategies which aren't an end in themselves so you've got to actually if you really want to use this technology effectively you have to stop step back make sure that your brand story and message and purpose is right in the first place so that you get that emotional driver so these tools work for your business. But if you do that as a small business or a non-profit, you can massively scale the reach of your message, you know, your customer community, the loyalty, the goodwill, and ultimately the purchases. Well, and it sounds um, like we hear, we hear this uh, quite a bit, and I, and I believe it to be true, and that is uh, you say you sit back and take your time. We also talk about community. Uh, too many people want that instant gratification and, you know, the free lunch, and they run out and straight to the sales process. They throw out all their sales stuff on social media and hoping that they're going to hit the numbers that maybe one guy out of the 100,000 will purchase something. And uh, the way you're coming at it, you, you're talking about, and you talk about this a lot in some of the things I've read, is about having that plan in place. You, you absolutely need a plan, and you know I'm very passionate about this because, as I said, having shifted from being a corporate guy, where in some sense that responsibility is passed on to the larger company to strategize and plan the future. As an entrepreneur, you're on your own. You have limited resources. You're time poor. You're completely caught up in running your business day to day. So I've been very passionate about creating a plan, a blueprint for young entrepreneurs, for startups, for nonprofits for mid-sized companies and, and that's over the last six months I've taken all my expertise in the traditional marketing world on Nike and Motorola and so on, all the thinking that went into the book, all the writing that I do from you know, Forbes and Mashable and Fast Company and Good and Huffington Post and built a social branding blueprint that tells companies all the different steps they need to go through. It builds in all the different options or strategies and tactics they can use based on the best practices and case studies and returns on investment of the smartest marketers in the world, the biggest brands, and then lets you walk through that process so that you get everything right. Because if you don't get all the pieces right, that story supply chain breaks down and then you wonder why none of it works. <laughs> Absolutely. Let me ask you this, you know, having the honor to have you on the program today, um, I really appreciate it. And I have a couple of questions. Um, they're not, uh, they, they don't all fit together, but I just had a couple of questions since I got you to ask yeah. you. That is, one of the things that we talk about uh, when, when people are doing running ads, marketing companies are running ads now on social media, and, and, and I believe that the, the pendulum is swinging all the time. We never know. Who's going to be on top next week? Facebook, Google Plus. You know, what's the best way to Twitter it or to Facebook it? We, you know, these are always huge questions to everybody. But um, top of mind awareness minus return on investment. You know, people put up ads and they expect clicks. And we, as a society, I think we tend to click less and less on ads and banners than than ever before. Um, is there a case for top-of-mind awareness as the reason for putting out your ad alone? 
You know, it's an interesting question. Firstly, I agree with you. I think a lot of banner advertising is ineffective, and it just looks like unused real estate. It just looks like real estate that no one's interested in anymore. And, you know, these ads that people put out there, you can either pay for impressions or you can pay for clicks. And they're really, it's sort of a scattergun approach, just putting it out there and hoping that your ad will be seen by the right person at the time they want something. That said, these new platforms are reverse engineering targeting. And what I mean by that is every bit of information you share about yourself on your Facebook profile gives marketers a better understanding of exactly the music, the clothing, the holidays, whatever it is that you like. And all that data is available to marketers so that when they do put an ad out there, that they're much, instead of like a buckshot sort of scattergun approach, it's much more laser-like in that there's 700 million registered you know, accounts you know, and everyone has got a lot of data on, each, on themselves um, so they can target the active accounts very, very carefully and put ads in, you know, so to really basically up the chances that you're going to reach the right person. So imagine 10 years ago, someone walked in a store and you know nothing about them and you hope that just by walking in the store and seeing something they'd like, they'd buy it. Now the opposite is true, which is people that you've never met are telling you everything about themselves before you even go and place an ad to them. So that's a very powerful shift in dynamic. And so I think to some extent it's important to have awareness out there and to you know, keep a profile out there sort of just to maintain a presence in the marketplace. But social media allows it to be so much more targeted than you know, it was in the past. And that's why you see advertising platforms on you know, Google Plus and it's going to be you know, mobile on Facebook soon and um, in the news feed that you already see it on Facebook and you see Facebook credits and all the different ways you can have stores inside Facebook. I mean, I honestly believe Facebook has the potential to become one of the largest investment banks in the, few, in the world and it will take over an ever greater share of um, commerce out there as people are buying everything from airline tickets through to clothing inside the Facebook platform. And I know you. I know you teach, and we're going to talk a little about. I think you have your first seminar coming up that you've ever put on, and I yeah. want to talk about that in a second. Um, and but what you just talked about is seems to be okay for larger businesses, but the small businesses are there. Do you teach people some in the small businesses that there are affordable ways to find these demographics and to use, utilize them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's basically a, bid, a bidding system. I mean, I'm a small company, very small, and I have. Um, just use Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads myself. And you can spend $200 and reach a fairly large number of very targeted people. Basically, you know, you may pay 25 cents when someone clicks through. And I'll explain is that, you know, you don't pay for impressions. Like if someone goes to a page and they see your ad on there, you're not paying for the impressions. You only pay for the clicks when they actually click on your ad and go to what you're selling. And that can be, you know, you know, a fraction, you know, a few cents or a fraction of a cent so that, you know, you can spend a few hundred dollars and be very effective in your targeting. So, you know, a marketing budget of a thousand or five thousand dollars can go a long way on social networks while it really wouldn't even buy you a sort of corner ad in a local magazine, um, barely, you know, in the traditional media world. Yeah, I hear you. Um, let me ask you one other question, not unrelated totally. Um, on branding, uh, I'm branding myself as JW on purpose or in, in various ways. You originally started with uh, Mainwaring as part of the company name and then changed it to We First. 
how, how do you discern whether you should be branding a person as the head of a company or a or 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 the company itself or a piece of the company? How does that work? Or yeah, it's a very good question, and there's two parts to the answer. The first is, for a lot of us small companies, we thought that, listen, we can't afford to be a brand, we don't have the big marketing dollars and so on. Right. But something has happened. Basically, the marketplace is so much more crowded now. I mean, we, all, we are all overwhelmed by the amount of information that we face every day. And so what do you do when you've got a crowded marketplace where there's so much competition for your customer's attention? Well, you have to be distinct. You have to be clear. You have to be defined. You can't sit there and just say, well, I kind of do this business, and yes, there's other people that are out there that do it, and well, I haven't really articulated why mine's different to the other lawn mowing service or the other realtor or the other construction company or whatever, the other financial planner. You have to be distinct and clear so because the marketplace is crowded. Secondly, it's fractured. And what I mean by that is it's not about print, television, and radio anymore. There is tablets and mobile phones and laptops and, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and television and radio. The, you know, there, it's a fractured marketplace now, in which case you need to be social. And what I mean by that is once you've realized that you need to be a brand, you need to be a brand that is on social networks and moves between them so that you can move with conversations amongst your customers. You can find customers on a professional platform like LinkedIn or, you know, find, target people on um, Facebook that you know are probably interested in your product or engage in real time with people on Twitter you know, or find, you know, a, a very interesting group of people on Google Plus who are talking about certain, you know, conversations, deeper topics. So uh, it is. That, that's the second. And then finally, the third thing is it's a flatter marketplace. It used to be that, you know, we'd say, well, which company should I use? Which has the tallest, big, shiny building with the big logo on the side? Now, all these media monopolies have fallen down, whether it's Borders or Blockbuster, all these different companies have gone away, and everything's being driven by word of mouth. In which case, if it's a flatter marketplace, you need to be more visible than ever. You've got to put your hand up really high so people can see you. So if you're a brand of any sort, two people, three people, you need to brand yourself in the marketplace if you're a company. You need to brand yourself in the marketplace you know, because it's crowded, it's fractured, and it's flatter then the choice between your name and a, um, uh, an idea which is larger than yourself as an individual, I struggled with that. There are some brands that turn on a personality or individual, and that's a very viable way to go. But I chose to be community-facing in my branding because community is driving the success of all business, and the way that you inspire a community to drive your business success is to serve their interests. So the We First platform, to give you a concrete example, is all about serving the interests of the We First community. And if you look at all my blogging and writing and things, I'm always writing about what other people are doing. I'm not writing about what I'm doing. I'm writing about someone who's developed an app or someone who's done some great charity work or some great marketing campaign. It's out there celebrating brands that are getting this right and being purposeful. And I think if you want to sell the company later on, which is not relevant to me because it's a long-term um, investment by my, on my part, but if you want to sell the company later on and it's called J Inc., then without you, it's not J Inc. anymore. So that's another consideration. So I think by having a company that's larger than yourself, 
it, 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 it taps into the new dynamics driving the marketplace. It allows you, gives you, puts you in a position to sell that company without jeopardizing it later on. And also, it builds into the DNA of the brand that we are now all in the service business. We need to serve our communities so they then serve our interests because they are inspired to do so, because they see that we're genuinely interested. So I think my answer would be to, you know, uh, be community-facing and embrace a brand approach that's larger than yourself and really focus on offering true value and engagement and reward to your community, and then suddenly they will drive your success. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Let's talk about your book real quick. Um, your, your book, We First, How Brands and Consumers Use Social Media to Build a Better World. Um, will they get, uh, is this a book, uh, the story, is it, uh, is it a lot of technical stuff? Is it, is it a lot of great takeaways in it for some of the stuff you've talked about today? Um, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an ex-lawyer ad guy, so um, <laughs> I'm a very sort of realistic guy in the sense that I want real value. And the purpose of the book was not just to kind of lay out some larger ideas about where I think the private sector needs to go to succeed. It actually shows you all the case studies and all the research and the tactics and strategies that brands that are succeeding are using. So it's very, very practical because otherwise, what value is it? That's what I don't understand. I mean, right. if we just talk in theory, but without giving businesses and brands and entrepreneurs the actual tools to use, we're not really having anywhere near the impact that we want to have. And that's the approach that's informed, you know, the seminar as well is there are so many different events out there where people can go for a couple of days take a whole big notebook of notes, which they put on the shelf when they get home, but it doesn't actually offer them real value. They don't know how to translate it. So having spoken at a lot of conferences last year and observed this, I decided to do an event much like the book where it is very practical with real value. So there is absolute, and, and I, should I tell you a couple of details about the event now, Jay? Just yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, move to the seminar that you're doing. This is your first seminar you've ever put on. Um, very intimate. It's, uh, it sounds really, I mean, just full and packed with all kinds of great information and great speakers. Let's, let's go ahead and tell me about that. Yeah, well, the point of the seminar is this whole real value to entrepreneurs and to businesses and to nonprofits. There's several dimensions to it. You know, rather than just giving people a, a bunch of notes, I spent the last four or five months putting together this social branding blueprint from scratch. It's never been seen before. It's the first time I'm going to make it available at the event. And the whole two days, on the February 1st and 2nd in Los Angeles at the Marina del Rey Marriott, the whole two days are going to be spent working through this blueprint. So you walk out with something in your hand that you can act on specific to your business. So it's not Simon or the guests talking about Facebook and Twitter. It's how can you use Facebook and Twitter for your business to drive its bottom line and its positive impact? And there's myself, and then there is Carol Cohn, who is the global practice chair of Edelman, the world's largest PR firm. And she, no one has better research or consumer insights. So she'll be talking about the specific expectations of the customer today and how they like to engage. And then there's Robert Tersick, who was the former president of digital media at Oprah's Network and the former president at uh, Sony Entertainment and before that creative director at MTV, talking about digital, talking about emerging technology and where the marketplace is going. So the three of us will be working through this blueprint with you for two days. And then in terms of the contribution 
you know, this purposeful contribution that we've been talking about, every single registrant, everyone who comes, gets an extra ticket to invite their favorite nonprofit. So you get wow. to make the contribution, whether it's a foundation you have, a cause marketing partner, someone you just donate some money to, the local pet shelter down the street, so that everyone there makes a contribution that actually makes them feel good about attending and adding value to their own business. And uh, this is the last week to register. The event is on the 1st and 2nd of February, and we have less than 10 places left because, as you said, it's an intimate affair. It's limited to just over 80 people because we will be working specifically through people's businesses. This is not a big conference. This is like a two-day consulting on your business with world-class experts. And so the event... Sorry? Sit down, sharpen your pencil, and build your plan, right? Oh, absolutely, and there'll be lots of one-on-one time and instruction because every entrepreneur out there just feels overwhelmed. They're like, I've got to manage my business, everything's changing so quickly, the economy's so tough, I'm, I'm stressed because I can't keep get my arms around it all. So it's two days to get your arms around it all. And um, so it's February 1st and 2nd at Marina Del Rey in the Marriott, and the cost is it's $2,099, $2,099, and you get that extra ticket for your favorite nonprofit for free. So we've got just under 10 places left, and uh, it's next Wednesday and Thursday um, here in California. So, you know, we'd love people to join us, um, but I wouldn't wait to register. They just go to wefirstseminar.com, wefirstseminar.com, one word, wefirstseminar.com and just register and then you can sign up your nonprofit as well and uh, it's going to be a really dynamic two days where everyone walks out going oh my gosh I got so much extraordinary value for my business and got my head around so much stuff that I could never have managed myself and I've got this support from you know real experts in the field and, and that's you know that's the real value that I think entrepreneurs need and they deserve no that sounds I mean it's, when I read it it was it's the takeaways are going to be extremely powerful. Nowadays, uh, social media is um, the big black box. Nobody can figure it out. As you said, there everybody's just you know just trying to <laughs> get along and, and figure it all out. And I think you really you need something like this as a business to sit down, wrap your head around it, build a plan, and and learn how to learn how to start utilizing that plan. To uh, really propel yourself in uh, 2012 and get yourself going. I mean, the uh, the economy has been bad, and we uh, have all these great tools at our disposal. We need to know how to use them. Right. Absolutely. I could I couldn't agree more. And it's it's critical. It's critical. This is not just a question of a preference. Should we do it to get ahead? This is what we need to do as business owners to survive, because the smartest brands are already moving and the marketplace is moving quickly. And as we've all seen, those brands that get left behind are the ones that are under threat for disappearing because they just don't know where their customers went. Where are their customers and why are they not engaged? And why is their competitor being shared more than they are? And you know, what tools or tactics aren't I using? And it becomes this sort of death spiral, which is you know, very stressful and in a very difficult economy. Well, Simon, I think it's actually worse than that. I think that uh, uh, most uh Entrepreneurs and small businesses, especially, have gone out there and they've hooked up and joined everything they can join. Uh, they started out putting out their messages or their blog, and they're not getting a lot of kickback. And they just—they're just, they're just uh, figuring out that it just doesn't work. 
Right, and it doesn't work for various very valid reasons. And you know, part of it is to do with not defining their brand the right way in the first place. Part of it is not using the right tools the right way. Part of it is not having the right tactics and strategies to, to work on. And part of it is not measuring success in the right way. And so, you know, when I say that I put this blueprint together, Imagine each question gives you certain options because it's two days is a condensed time frame and each question will allow you to make some choices specific to your business but those choices are already built into it based on the best practices of the Nikes and Coca-Colas and Procter and & Gamble and Unilever and Patagonias of the world so that there's a lot of heavy lifting already done in the very questions themselves because you can't be expected to sit there and, and think of all the different ways you could do this and know which is right or wrong on your own. You need that support. So this document itself, the social branding blueprint, builds that into it and then we work through it together and we troubleshoot it. We have one-on-one -on -one time. So you walk out with something in your hand going, oh my gosh, this is specific to my business. I don't need to work out how to translate these notes to my business. This is for my business and this is my plan and this is how I go to market with it. Yeah, and you know, let me make it really clear, Simon. I called you. This is we're, I'm not doing a commercial for you. I make no money from sending people to your seminars. Right. I called you because I see the need out there for what you teach, for what you for what you do, and this blueprint. Um, I think that it's something that businesses need, and I frankly think that uh, you're charging too little for it. Um, well, you know, there's two things here going on, Jane. Thank you. Yes, there's, there's, no one has any interest in making any money out of any of this, you know, for, for you. This is genuinely, thank you, just you sharing this with your community. And, you know, I, every attendee gets a non-profit ticket for free. So, again, we're giving away half of those seats to non-profits. So we're trying to make a contribution ourselves. And then secondarily, you know, I, I just had a few ideas that I thought were relevant to the marketplace. I never wanted to be an author. I never wanted to write a book. I didn't know anything about writing a book. I went to Barnes & Noble and bought eight books on how to write a book proposal and summarized them all. I was a total geek. And uh, so then I did the book thing. And, you know, it's great that the book did well, but the whole point of doing this was to provide better support to businesses out there so they can succeed, because that's what I've done all my life as a brand guy. So the seminar itself, too, I never wanted to do a seminar and be an events guy in that sense, but we need, this is a valuable information that is absolutely critical to a company's success, because the economy is so tough, the marketplace is so changing so quickly, and consumers are almost ahead of us. So the event itself has been put together to make that available. So I couldn't agree more. This is because we're doing it because the information is absolutely critical. And if, if you said to me as an entrepreneur, hey, um, you know, you can sit down for two days with three world-class experts and a blueprint that you can walk through specific to your business and you can bring a non-profit for free and you can sort of alleviate all that emotional anxiety that goes with all the uncertainty that you otherwise had and come there and, and condense all that learning into two days, is that a value to you? I would say yes. And that's, that's the point of what we tried to put together. We wanted to make a contribution to the great work that nonprofits are doing and also support entrepreneurs with what they need because being one myself, it's almost impossible on your own. Well, let me tell you, I, I envy anybody who gets to go to your seminar, who takes, 
who gets off the couch and makes the call and 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 sits down with you guys and learns what they need to do. I really envy that uh, person who goes through that. There will be some people listening to this, Simon, uh, after the event, um, and they're going to be wondering, wow, what, I, what did I miss, and, and are you going to do this again? <laughs> um, well, well, two things. For those who are listening to this before the event on February 1st and 2nd at the Marina Del Rey Marriott, you go to wefirstseminar.com, wefirstseminar.com, and just register. Secondarily, um, if it is after the event, after the first and second, there will be a, um, a version of the event. We're filming the event that will be available online or that you can you know, buy as a product. Um, so if you uh, go to wefirstbranding.com, you'll see our company website and you'll be able to find all the information there, wefirstbranding.com. So there, the main passion for us behind all of this is to fill a need in the marketplace, which is this this tool that, that allows you to marry brand storytelling all the way through to social technology at a cost-effective price point that gives entrepreneurs and nonprofits and mid-sized brands and startups all the support they need. So we're going to be doing whatever we can to get it out there in a way that's reasonable and in a way that supports other that supports nonprofits as well because they've been sort of lacking in support and doing such incredibly important and transformative work for so long, and they, they deserve our, our support as well. Well, I, I believe that this is the uh, missing puzzle piece that many businesses need, and uh, they get to sit down with three of the top people in the field and in, in the industry and get some hands-on time and build the plan. That's at wefirstseminar.com to sign up, wefirstseminar.com to sign up. Also, uh, you can uh, find Simon at uh, wefirstbranding.com, and I think you tweet at, at Simon Waring. Simon. Uh, at Simon Mainwaring, yeah. At Simon Mainwaring, which Simon is Mainwaring. S-I- Mainwaring is spelled M-A-I-N-W-A-R-I-N-G. Um, and so they can they can follow your tweets there. And, uh, and I just really want to thank you, Simon, for what you're doing, what you put together. Um, you know, I mean, you're you're working with big companies. You probably don't even need to do this, but I think it's really great, especially since uh, I know you work with a lot of nonprofits. Uh, there's a special place in your heart for that. And, um, you know, I mean, we really thank you for that, too. No, I appreciate it. And you know what? Ultimately, I think as all business owners and entrepreneurs realize is that sometimes, you know, the greatest reward you get out of doing this is the contribution you make, whether it's to your employees, whether it's to your customers. And, you know, there's something selfish about making a contribution. And I did have the big job and the cool job in the advertising world, but the greatest satisfaction I've found has actually come through contribution and we first is committed to being a destination where you can find the latest of what's going on and where we'll be celebrating everybody else's work and then allowing whatever success we have to support the work of nonprofits. And I think this is a way that all brands need to move forward. That's why you see Walmart Sustainability Index, Pepsi Refresh Project, um, Nike Litstrong Campaign, Procter & Gamble Click for, Water Blo- Click for Water Blogovation Campaign, Starbucks Shared Planet. This contribution, this purpose is the basis for profit in the future because that's what your community wants. They want you to be meaningful and if you do that for your customers, your business will succeed in a community-based marketplace. So I actually think it's a very exciting time for business. It's scary for entrepreneurs, 
but you know we're committed to providing the tools like the social branding blueprint at the We First seminar to give them what they need to succeed. So I actually think it's an exciting time. Wonderful. Thank you again, Simon Maywaring, um, who's been talking to us about uh, branding and uh, social. I like the word social technology. We're, we're I think we so overuse social media. Uh, right. I thank you very much, Simon, for coming on and sharing with us today. You, uh, you gave us a lot of meat and a lot of takeaway. I really appreciate that. Uh, everybody, once again, uh, sign up at, uh, for the seminar at WeFirstSeminar.com. You can find Simon again at uh, WeFirstBranding.com or at Simon Main Wearing on Twitter. Thank you so thank much. Thank you Simon. so much, Jane. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Everybody have a great day and a better tomorrow. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to JW on Purpose with JW Nigerian. You can find JW on Purpose at jwonpurpose.com. JW on Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2011, and all rights are reserved.